Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. Hey, as I begin this morning, I just want to say a quick note for anyone watching online, like a special welcome to you. Thanks, bro. Uh, a special welcome to you, and also a special welcome for those of you watching, maybe from Ambrose House, the Ambrose Cafe downtown. Actually, we have a group of people who are joining us from downtown, and next week, we're going to share a bit more about that, so you don't want to miss a special announcement about that connection. Many of you have been away over the summer. Maybe this is kind of first time back to church, or maybe you're watching and you're not really sure about church, about God, about the Bible. This is kind of new. And so we're happy you're here and you've come on a good Sunday because we're really returning to some of the basic ideas of what it means to trust Jesus and what it means to think about the fact that Jesus met people and after he met them, he left them completely changed. I mean, I don't know about you, there's some things about my life that I wish would change and they never do. Like all of us sometimes see people, I don't know if this ever happened to you and you, you, know, you meet them and you ask them, have I changed? Like, have I lost weight? Do I look like I've lost weight? Everybody wants to hear what? Yes. And if you're married, you know that rule. Even if it's a lie, you say, of course. Of course you've lost weight, hon. <laughs> you know, it's like we, we want certain things to change, and sometimes we're not sure how they change. And also we have things in our lives that feel so painful that we don't even want to talk about them changing. And as we begin the series, I want to ask you a question. Like, and I often think about this. Sometimes you've watched movies of people's lives. Have you ever seen those movies? In the summer there's a movie on Elvis, and there's all these movies on people. If somebody made a movie about your life, what's one thing you hope they do not put in the movie? What's one thing you hope they just leave out of the movie? What's that moment, that event, that situation? Like, I have a few of those moments in my life. Where I'm like, if they make a movie in my life, I hope they leave this out. A broken relationship. A time in my life when I was young and I was dating someone and my friends warned me about this person and I ignored my friends because I was in love. Well, I was wrong. All fell apart. Or financial decisions. You're like, oh, this is going to be great for our family. We take a big risk and it gets messy fast and you thought you could trust someone and it didn't work out. And you're like, if they tell my story, that part, I hope they leave it out. A season of fighting, a season of conflict, a season of disagreement. How, how many of us would say, let's hope they leave out the whole COVID scenario, right out of the whole story, of all of history. Let's take it right out. That might be nice, but we have a lot to learn from that how God was calling us to a deeper place. This morning, I want us to look at a person in the Bible who invites us into one of the most broken moments of her life. And if we could, and if she could, maybe she would have left this part of her life out. But the Bible is this beautiful gift of God-inspired words for us to see people in some of the most broken moments in their lives. For us to learn from other people's mistakes and for us to say, God, what you did in that person's life, would you do it in my life? Because I want to be transformed so that I would never be the same because of you. 
that I would never trust in the things I used to trust in, but from now on, I would decide that you made a difference in my life. We're going to do that for the next few weeks together. We're going to learn to go deeper and to grow in this area. And we want to encourage you, maybe for you, like this is kind of a new thing and you don't even own a Bible. Like you don't even have a Bible. Can we just encourage you to come see us? We'd love to give you a Bible for free. Like I remember when I was young and I was starting to read the Bible and learn the Bible and somebody would say to me, like, are you reading your Bible? Are you doing that? I'd be like, well, not really. And I, the Bible's full of these rules and these old stories and nobody cares. Like who reads the Bible, right? Until I actually started, guess what? Reading the Bible. And I'm like, wait a second. The Bible is so much more beautiful, more profound, more important, and it draws us to hear God speaking to us, and so we would love to give you a Bible. We would love to help you learn how to read the Bible and understand it better. That's why we have a midweek learning time, and that's why we encourage you to be consistent in being with us, because sometimes if you just open the Bible, it's hard to know, like, where do we go? How do we start? And the story we're going to look at today kind of shows that a little bit. It kind of shows us a little bit of complexity. Actually, this is one of my, one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it's, it's almost impossible to just preach it with three simple points. It's impossible to just give you three tips on how your life will never be the same. It's impossible because Jesus didn't do that with people. Jesus didn't just leave us like a guy to say, just do these things and your marriage is going to be great. Here are four tips to better finances from the Bible. People are selling this stuff all the time, I promise you. But when you read the Bible, you're like, wait a second. It's much more complicated to follow Jesus. You kind of have to go just a bit further with him. And so this morning, one of the things I want to do is I want to encourage you not only to hear what the Bible wants to teach us, but to maybe go back this week and read all of this story. Because it's so much more beautiful that I can even explain in like 30 minutes together, 35 minutes together. And you know this and I know this, that there's no way we can live every day bombarded by every news media, every social media post, every story, everything that we hear online, and then get 30 minutes of the Bible and somehow we're going to be changed. It's foolish. That would never happen. Unless we decide to say we're going to be people who learn the scriptures and learn the Bible and now start to live that out every single day. Because when we do that, Jesus starts to do something and we realize, like, we're never going to be the same. Something has happened that's changed us forever. We don't even know the words to express that, but something is different now because of Jesus. Now, one of the things that Jesus did with people when he met them is he often asked them about their lives, and he started to teach about God. And, and after a while, Jesus became very, very popular. If you've never read about him, you might not know this. And one of the things that he invited people to do was not only to just say, oh, this is going to be a great life. I met Jesus. I hope my life is better than it was before. I hope God blesses my life. I hope God protects my kids from the world. All the things that we often learn, which are nice things, but they're not the point. Like, they're not the central point. Right? That at one point, when Jesus starts to really transform people's lives, he asks them to do something very important so that they would never forget the moment of when they met him. And some of you know this already, but I want to read a passage to you. You're going to see it on the screen. And I want you to see if you can notice what Jesus asks people to do. Just, I'll read it for you. And some of you, you know, since we're back to school, you'll be the first ones with your hand up. I get it. I get it. It's okay. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So what's Jesus doing for people who meet him and realize things are never going to be the same now that you're here? He's doing what to them? He's baptizing them. This is such an important thing because I don't know if you can think of a story in the Bible where you see Jesus baptizing people. You really don't know or his disciples. It's something that we know is happening, but it's not really explained a lot for us to know. It's just there. And Jesus is baptizing people as a reminder that they have met him and that they're never 
going to be the same. This is so important because for, it, for many of us in our culture, never being the same is just having a cool experience. Like I, I had the experience this summer of, of traveling and being, many of you know this, I had a chance to go teach in Africa. And in some sense, I'll never be the same because of that. There are things that change us forever. But when Jesus changes people, he says, this is not just an experience of you feeling the fuzzies in your heart. You meet people today that are looking for all kinds of experiences. I used to teach on a university campus and there were some students I would meet with. They'd be like, hey, Dom. They would call me like the priest and they'd be like, hey, Dom, listen, have you ever tried mushrooms? They're amazing. You're never going to be the same. Some of you are like, maybe you've tried them. You know what I mean. Okay. So it's like there are people that are looking for the next experience to never be the same. And when that's not done, they'll find the next thing. Jesus is like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a public decision that you have met me and now you're going to be baptized and people will see this in you. People will know that you've never been the same. And this was hard for me to understand growing up because I always, I think for a long time, thought Jesus was just like a good teacher with some good tips. Ever happened to you? Like you read the Bible, you're like, Jesus has good quotes that you can post on social media, right? When you're mad at your coworkers, you post something from the Bible and you hope they read it. Anyone do that? You share it with your kids. Honor your parents. And they're like, I hate this. Yeah, whatever. But he's not just any kind of teacher. Like how many of you experienced having your kids going back to school this week? Many of us back to school? Yeah, almost all of us, right? And we asked them, how's your teacher? Now, if our kids came back from school this week, any day, right? And they were all soaking wet. And you asked them, what the heck happened? They're like, you know what, my teacher, at the end of the class, he said anybody who believes in what they said should get baptized. And then they started baptizing us in the classroom. How many of you would call the school board? I would. I'm like, what's going on? So right away you realize Jesus is not your average teacher. He's not giving people tips and saying, go get them, gang. Hope you don't fail math. He's saying, no, no, no. After you meet me, something will happen, and we will decide that you understand that you will never be the same. And so that you don't forget, let's walk to the lake now. And I'm going to baptize you. My disciples are going to baptize you. Some of you remember that moment in your own life when you were baptized. Some of you, you kind of forgot, and some of you have never been baptized. And so one of the things we're going to do in this series is we're, we're going to invite you to not just see the idea of never being the same as a cool experience or like a better story or just something that was very special for you, which is nice, but it's a moment that Jesus gives us, which is a marker of saying, you met me and things are never going to be the same. The most painful moments in my life and the most painful moments in your life are when you talk to people who know lots about Jesus and they stay the same. The Bible has a word for those kinds of people, by the way. And I always pray that God protects me and protects us from that. It's to be a hypocrite. It's someone who knows all the Bible verses, who can go to church, who plays in the band, who says, I know Jesus, but they're always the same person. And right now, think of a person who is that, and how many of you realize that you didn't think of yourself? You thought about someone else, right? That's like that? I do. I think, oh, I know that. I know a person like that. They should, be, they should have grown by now, but they're still the same. I know. And God's like, no, let's talk about you. Let's make this teaching time about you. What about you? And how God wants to say to you, there's some things that are still the same. And you've prayed and you've heard the sermons and you've sung the songs and you've seen me at work and they're still the same. People who lie to themselves, who think they can meet Jesus and stay the same are usually the most judgmental people you ever meet because they see everybody else that should change but they never see themselves as the ones that God's saying, how about you? 
you should change now. And we have this moment in the Bible, in John's gospel, where Jesus is starting to do things that are causing everybody to be like, I have so many questions. Like, this Jesus doesn't just fit in a box the way I thought he would fit. And at one point in John chapter 4, you can just go to the picture, just back it up a bit. John chapter 4, there's this moment where Jesus is with this woman at a well. And if you have a Bible and you look at this in your own Bible, the top of the heading of this will say Jesus at the well with the woman or Jesus with the Samaritan woman. Okay, if you have a Bible, you can look that up. The, the, the titles on the top of the chapters are a way of helping us read our Bible so we don't get lost, right? But in the oldest manuscripts that we have in the Bible, those are not there. They're later editions that scholars put in to help us read our Bible. Now, if I was at the meeting when they put the titles in for this section, I would put this. I would say John chapter 4 is not just about Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman, and that it is that. But it's about that Jesus met with this woman and she would never be the same and something about that changed all of her relationships forever. Because I find that when I read the Bible and I see a word like the Samaritans, I'm like, I'm not a Samaritan. Are you a Samaritan? I don't even know how to spell Samaritan. I'm like, I'm sure this is not about me. Next chapter. We read these stories and we're like, well, I'm not, I'm not really sure. It's a big word. It's going to take too long. We move on and we miss that something so profound happens in this story. That a woman meets Jesus and she is never the same. Never. Not only her, but the people who are with her, the people who see her, they see her and they're like, something has happened to you. You're not the same like you used to be. And she's going to try to explain this. And we get a chance to watch her story because so much of her story is filled with pain, filled with sadness, filled with anger, filled with frustration. There are things that... She probably, if it happened to me, I would hope nobody tells them people this part of my life. And I want to read you the beginning of this section as Jesus starts to talk to her. And you'll see some of the pain and some of the things that come up to the surface. It says this, Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. Your Bible will say that in a little note. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask for a drink? How can you ask me for a drink? It's such a profound moment where Jesus steps into this, this situation and we realize that Jesus and this woman already have a conflict. And it's a conflict you have to know about when you're reading your Bible. It's a conflict that we can miss. That's what the Bible tries to teach us about the conflict. It's like people that you meet, you know, you go out and you see somebody and you tell your friend, like, I hate them. Five years ago, they, they borrowed money. Two years ago, they, yeah. It's like, you got to know the backstory. The Bible's filled with all kinds of backstories. And the story of this backstory is that this woman knows that a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman should not talk. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write some of these things down. This is very important. They're like the context of the story. You're not going to just... Catch them sometimes if you're on your own reading your Bible, so I want to give them to you. That it was very, very odd for a woman to be by herself getting water at a well in the ancient world. Very odd. It was dangerous. And the Bible tells us it's noontime. Women in the ancient world collected water at a well in the morning time. Why? Because it wasn't hot. Made sense. So there's a sense that Jesus is now at this well looking for a drink with a woman who's already in some ways has some broken baggage from the relationship with the village she comes from. The women probably don't want to be around her. 
She probably has no kids, which is already a weight of being barren as a woman and not being able to have children. And we're told in a very strange way that Jesus comes and says to her, hey, I'd love a drink. And there's this tension that emerges, and I think this is so important, that Jesus asks her for a drink, and what happens in this moment is something much deeper starts to happen, that we realize that Jesus teaches us something so important about our lives, that sometimes we have to enter awkward and messy situations to see God do something that we would never have imagined. Sometimes we have to allow God to stretch us and to step into situations that we would be like, I'm so uncomfortable, this is so weird, I'm so nervous, I'm not sure what this is going to look like, and Jesus is going to do that. And in a few minutes, you'll see, and if you read it this week, you'll, you'll really see, that when the disciples come back, they're like, hey, hey, Jesus, this is kind of weird. Like, what's going on here with this woman? That Jesus steps into this moment and he's trying to teach his disciples something that we all have to learn. That if you want to see Jesus do something that leaves people changed, you have to be willing to go where you would never go on your own. That you would never step, up on, step out on your own and do things that you would feel like it's going to be too messy. It's going to be too awkward. I'm not sure. This is a lesson as parents we teach our kids all the time. Oh, don't worry. Just try it. Oh, don't worry. Just come on. You'll see. You'll, you're great with this. You're great with that. And God all along is doing that with us. It's like, hey, let's try this. Step into that. See how I work now. See what I do now. Anyone who had black and white categories for how life worked and wanted to follow Jesus soon would be stuck with a moment of being like, he's, he knows he's not supposed to be talking to a Samaritan woman. So what is happening? I think about this this summer and I think about this a lot because it's a value that is really deep in my heart for our church. You might not know this, but one of the prayers I pray for our church consistently is for God to place us in situations where many of you will feel uncomfortable. Because if that does not happen, you will equate following Jesus for having a, with having a comfortable life. And if that happens, it means I'm not teaching you the Bible. And if I'm not teaching you the Bible, you're wasting your time this morning. Can I make the connections yourself? In the next few hours, we're going to invite many of you to just come with us to a park and stand by a table just say hi to a neighbor. And just maybe say, hey, I'm part of this community. We care about cancer research. We care about our neighbors. We're just a church in the area. We love kids and families. And some of you are like, whoa, 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 that's very awkward. I don't know about that. Well, do I have to eat the lollipop or can I just hold it? What do I have to do? Okay, slow down, slow it down. Don't get too tense. We spend our whole lives trying to stay away from every messy situation. And Jesus is like, I had all these things I was going to show you I was going to do if you just stepped into that and trusted me. But no, no, it's weird, it's weird. Of course it's weird. We're following a guy who was dead and now is alive. Yeah, it's weird. Get over it. But we don't have to be weird. And we don't have to be awkward. You know what it's called? To be a human. To ask your neighbor, how are you? To listen to them say, I don't believe in God. Christians are weird. We're like, yeah, could have told you that, bro. Got that. I pray for moments where God would open a door for us to just be in places where we would listen. Be like, this feels kind of awkward and strange and I'm not sure. What would we say? What if they ask us, you know, what if they ask us, if, can anybody come to our church? What if they ask us, can, can anyone come? And, so what? So what? If you want to follow Jesus. And you want to experience what it's like that he's transforming people's lives so they say, I'm never going to be the same. You better be ready to enter some moments that are a little bit messy and a little bit awkward and a little bit strange. But God does his most beautiful work there. 
Some of the most beautiful things happen when we're there. And he shows us, look, it's not even about you. Look what I do now. It has nothing to do with you. Watch how I change things. And this starts to happen in the story. Because Jesus and this woman start talking and having this conversation. And at one point, as they're talking, Jesus just pushes the conversation a bit further because he realizes that this woman is not just here to get water from a well, but is carrying many things that Jesus is aware of. And this is what we're told happens next. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And if you read the story this week, which all of you will, right? 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 All right. Got you. At this moment, there's a a, a strange thing where the woman's like, you don't even have a a jug. How will you get water? It kind of gets a little bit intense. Like you're like, this is kind of weird. And Jesus is like, let's not get carried away. Let's keep on point. Let's keep on point. This is about living water, not just water from a well. It says this, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I don't know about you, but I rarely think of the idea of living water. Like, I didn't know there was dead water. Like, you need living water. You know, I wouldn't have thought of that way. But you need to know this, that the Bible, the language of living water, is often used for the water that flows naturally. Nature's water. A spring, a lake, living water. So Jesus uses this idea, and he says to this woman that there is a water that you can experience, that you can have, that is not just like the water in the well, but it's much more profound than that. And it's a living water that only I can give you. At some point in this story, the woman will say, can I, can I have that water? But she's still confused. Because anyone who experiences the real Jesus and anyone who says they want to follow Jesus must be ready to admit that they need his living water. This is the hardest decision many of us will make in our life. To admit that the only thing that will make us whole, the only thing that will deal with the dryness and the darkness and the pain that we have is the living water that Jesus has. It took me a long time to admit that. It took me a long time to learn this lesson because I grew up in a world where I was taught that to be a man is to admit that you don't need anybody. To be a leader is to say, I have, I have what it takes. And then I lived in a culture that measured whether you were a real leader or a real success by how well you did that. Then you meet Jesus. And Jesus is like, are you ready now for living water? Are you ready for the kind of water that quenches the deepest parts of who you are where you can admit that you need to drink this water or you will never be whole. You know, in the next few minutes, we're going to come around the table and Jesus is going to offer us a drink. And to come to this table, you're going to have to say, I need this water. I need this drink, this bread, this wine. I need this. Without this, I cannot follow this Jesus. And some of his disciples will say that to him. They're like, listen, Jesus, we're fine. We don't need this. And Jesus will say, if you do not need this, you have no part of me. Just go now. If Jesus could give you living water, what would that look like? What would that mean for you to start to experience the living water that Jesus gives? And the Bible says is that this living water is connected to a vision of this eternal life, this hope and this life, not about when we die eternal life. There's a living water that bubbles up in us right now that you can have that living water. That you can have this kind of view of the world, view of yourself, where God heals the most broken things in your life. You know, I pray this as a father and as a husband, that my family would see me as someone who depends on Jesus' living water. And maybe for some of you, you've never thought of that. 
that the next generation will need to see in each of us, those who at one point said, Jesus, we admit, we need your living water. And in the moment of the story where things can get awkward, there's a discussion that they have about theology. Again, you got to read the story. There's no three points for the story. It's back and forth, and they're talking, and they're like, well, Samaritans, we don't worship that way, and we worship in spirit and in truth, and it goes on and on and on. And then Jesus touches the point in her life where the living water is needed more than ever. He says to her, why don't you go get your husband and come back with him? He says this. He told her, go call your husband and come back. She says, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. You have five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true, said the woman. Can you imagine? You're like, oh my goodness, who is this guy? Who is, how does he know these things? And if you read the passage, you're all going to read it, right, this week? Right? You're all lying in church right now. Okay. <laughs> Listen to it in your car when you're stuck in traffic. John chapter 4. Jesus, the, the woman says, you must be a prophet. This doesn't make any sense. How do you know this? Like, how are you aware of this? This is a woman who her whole life has lived under the judgment, the shame, the gossip of all the people around her. And she meets a man who first she realizes people like you shouldn't care about people like me. And now she realizes that this man knows some of her deepest secrets, things that she would never want to be spoken of again to anyone. And Jesus says, this is not just about me and you. Go get your husband. Isn't that beautiful? See, when Jesus meets us and makes us never the same, it's not just about us. I grew up in a church that told me that my relationship with God is just about me and God and getting a ticket when I go to heaven. I never realized that I have to actually get serious about how I live so that other people would see that I'm never the same. I never cared about that. I'm like, I don't care about other people. And right away, Jesus is like, no, no, no. Before we talk more, go get your husband. I grew up in a very broken and complicated home. I grew up in a context where I saw fighting in my family that had to do with God, that had to do with faith, that had to do with Catholics and Protestants and French and English and immigrants, all the good stuff, sprinkled with Bible verses. It's the best kind. I should not be here. But I met Jesus. And I was never the same. Never the same. And every time I read this section of the story, I think about the people that I know that I would say to them, hey, go get your wife, go get your husband, bring them here. They would say, I tried, I tried. It's not that easy. The Bible's not a magic book. The Bible's not a book of spells that you just post and you say louder and makes things happen. You ever see these videos online? People yelling at everything, in Jesus' name! I'm like, what is happening right now? That's not how the Bible works. The Bible works because Jesus enters broken moments of our lives and begins to heal things. And we're like, something is happening. I don't know how he knows this. What is happening? It's like, go get your husband now. And Jesus is like, this is true now, that your marriage and your relationships have been broken. If you're taking notes, can you write something down that's very, very important in the story that you'll miss? Is that a person who has broken relationships usually is a person that other people do not trust. A person who's had many husbands and who doesn't even have friends to be with her at the well usually has a hard time going back to tell people anything. You know this and I know this. We're very careful about who we trust. 
We're very careful about who we're going to listen to if they tell us something. Right? We, we have the joy of going to a restaurant and checking reviews. We're like, okay, what did they say about that place? What was this good, this place? You need to remember this, that this is a woman who many people do not trust. They do not trust her. And Jesus says to her, what if there's a way that my living water can heal the brokenness that you carry? What if there is a way that you would understand for the first time that the God who created you is not here to just judge you, but to heal you? Now, it was very clear that this woman lived a life that was irresponsible and bad. And And so the next verse you expect Jesus to say is, shame on you. Come to the altar. I grew up in that kind of context. Whenever you said something about dropping the ball, I made a mistake, I'm not sure, right away I was like, oh boy, I'm going to be in trouble at church. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus steps into the moment and says, you know what? Things can be different. There can be a healing here. There can be a moment. And we don't know all of the details that Jesus says to this woman. You know, some writers say that Jesus maybe would have said the names of the men that she was with. What do you think Jesus says to her? What do you think Jesus says that makes her realize this guy's different? Something's very different about him. Because we're told in the story something very profound happens now. That just as they're talking and just as the woman is realizing, like, this, this is not the way I planned the day. This is not what I thought was going to happen. That in the distance, the disciples come back and they have food and they have water. And we're told that the woman leaves her, her water container at the well. She goes back. And this is what we're told. It's so profound. You're going you're gonna to read this again this week when you do what? When you read this, actually. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in Jesus because of this woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the, the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Can you imagine? The disciples and Jesus are going to have to have a special talk here. And this woman runs back to her, her village. And I'm sure some people are like, where's the water? Like, we need water for the cookies. Water for, for lunch. She's like, about that. Let me tell you that there was a guy at the well. Is this a woman that people trust? Is this a woman that anybody would ever listen to? Is this a woman that people would stop what they're doing and go see Jesus? No. But something happened with Jesus that made her never the same. Enough that people said, if this is true, what you're saying, we want to meet him too. We want to hear what he said to you with our own ears. Take us to him. Where is he? And the Bible tells us that this starts to happen. Jesus talks, and they love what Jesus is saying so much that they're like, stay for two days, hang out for two days. Can you imagine someone coming to your house after church and staying for two days? Some of you can't handle each other for two hours. I know I'm the pastor. Two days. He's teaching. They're like, this guy, we're never going to be the same. Oh my goodness, we're never going to be the same. He's the one. Can you imagine the ex-husbands of this woman hearing her talk? Being like, don't listen to her. But she was never the same. 
Something happened that transformed not only her, but the relationships of the people that were broken in the village. And now they're coming to say yes to Jesus because of her. Can I just tell you that some of the most broken things that you faced, God will use to lead other people to believe in Jesus. Some of the things that you feel shame about that you wish you could hide, Jesus will touch those things with his living water. And he'll say, now, go back where you came from and tell people what I'm about. Do people who hang out with you every day want to know more about Jesus? It's that simple. Do they? They, they should. If they see you and they're like, you've, something's about you that's never the same. Something is transformed in you because of you go to a church, you do what? What are you talking about? Can we commit that we want to be the people who because we've been with Jesus, people who are with us will never be the same. Because we've prayed with Jesus, people who see us want to meet him too. Can we be those people? If we don't care about being those people, we not only will lose this generation, we will lose the next generation. Because just preaching to them for 30 minutes is not going to fix them watching TV for hours. It's not going to fix you or I either we don't commit to be those that say, God, I was with you and you did something in me that made me never the same. And other people can tell. They can tell. And they have questions for me and I don't have the words and I'm not sure how to explain it to them, but I can tell them just a little bit of how he's changed my life, how he's changed your life. Some of you are at that place in your life where Jesus is calling you to trust him and see what he does next. You're there. I'm going to invite to come back up and lead us in a song. And this morning, as we go to communion, I want to remind you that this is the table that Jesus asks us to admit that we need his living water. It's a profound place. And for some of you, maybe you're not there. You're not even sure how to begin. In a few minutes, I'm going to explain just a little bit about what this means. That one of the things we encourage people who come to take communion is that they would be serious about getting baptized because that's what Jesus did. That people whose lives were changed, they got baptized and then they desired that other people would also meet Jesus. Are there people in your life that you know, that feel like their life is too messy for Jesus to ever heal it. There are people in your life like this woman who have all the secrets and the things that, oh, my life is so, so many problems, I've made so many mistakes, and Jesus is like, just, just come, shh, just come. Watch now, watch now. That this woman would go back to her village and that she would say to the people, I went for water today. And my life has never been the same. For some of you, the most dangerous place in your life is you know all the stories about Jesus, but you're still the same. You're still the same. We're all tempted to just stay the same because we hate change. We're afraid. It's risky. We're not sure. We're all these things, all the excuses. And Jesus is saying to you, 
anybody who meets me and is serious about my living water, my living ways, is never the same. Ever. Maybe for you, as you come to the table, it's a moment of confession. It's a moment of saying, Jesus, I know all the stories, but I'm not the same. My kids know I'm not the same. My wife knows I've never changed. I'm good at pretending like I care about this. Oh, it's good for the kids. Church is good for the kids. No, church is not just about the kids. Many people, they always have something, you know. It's for someone else. No, it's for us. It's for you. It's for me. No one who met Jesus never left the same. Never. And that Jesus is preparing a meal for us, and we're going to share it in a minute.
Maybe uh, this still feels like brand new for you. But in a minute, we're going to invite you. If you're ready and you understand what Jesus is calling you to, to come up and just grab one of these little cups. Symbolic, really, of the work that only Jesus can do in us, but also symbolic of something that Jesus did for us. And for thousands of years, Christians have been doing this as a reminder to themselves and to others that Jesus left them never the same. Never. At the 180, we really want people to learn how to think more deeply about their faith. So I want to ask you a question that you maybe never thought about. Who's with Jesus and the woman at the well in the story? It's not a trick question. Who else is there besides Jesus and the woman? Nobody. Right? So how do we know what happened at the well? John wasn't there. Peter wasn't there. Nobody's there to hear the interaction that Jesus has with this woman. Right? That means that Jesus or the woman would have had to have repeated this story for others to know. They would have had to tell the story again and again so that John would eventually say, we need to write this story down. She would have to have wanted for people to know about her broken life so they could get to the one who was broken on the cross for them. Jesus would have had to say that this is what we spoke about at the well. She was never the same. So go tell other people about the kind of God that I am. Are people going to keep talking about your life and your story until they get closer and closer to Jesus? Are you going to talk about how Jesus has made you never the same? Are you going to let people see that even in your brokenness, Jesus found you when you were lost? Now you're found. Because if that's what you want, this is the meal that nourishes you. This is the meal that gives you the strength to be that. So we don't ever want to force anyone to do this. But we've often said this, and if you're watching at home, you know this. It's important that when we take this meal, we're serious about what it means. And if you're not ready to do that, and if you're not ready to say yes to Jesus yet, we're just so happy that you're here and that you can participate with us, but maybe you're not ready to take this meal with us. In a few minutes, just in different sections, we're going to invite you to come up, grab one of these, and take it to your seat and just hold the cup in your hand. And just close your eyes and ask God to heal the areas of your life that need His living water. To heal the areas of your soul that you've practiced your whole life hiding because He knows that they're there. Because anyone who sings Great is that faithfulness knows that God loves to restore and to heal some of the most broken things in our lives. You know why you need to do this? Because you're going to meet people who are broken as well and they're going to need to know this, that Jesus can do this in their life. Because Jesus draws others to himself because of what he's done in us. So as we do this, may you just come and ask God for his living water Let's just pray as we prepare. Father, we pray that uh, 
this sacred time around this table would be a reminder that because of Jesus, our past and our shame and our sin can be healed. And that you're not looking for perfect people to come and have their lives all worked out, but you invite us to come. And like that woman at the well, you speak life, living water is made available to us because of the cross, because of what Jesus has done. So I think of this room and how different we all are. Maybe those watching online at different places in our lives. And that yet you can meet us in our moment where we admit that we need your living water. Holy Spirit, would you stir our hearts now to respond to the things that Jesus is teaching us. We pray this in his name. Amen. It's a reminder that you would hold this and I'll be back up in a second so we can take it together. Just come as you feel led.
How many of you would agree that if I asked you all to take off your shoes right now, it would get very awkward in here? Probably would. And that's exactly what Jesus tells his disciples. Before they have this meal, he says, take off your shoes now, I must wash your feet. As a symbol of those who will go and tell the world that they will never be the same because of me. And anyone who takes this meal is serious about what this means for us. You know, there's a warning in the Bible for people who take communion in a way that's very, very, like, whatever. Laissez-faire style. And it's a warning to Christians. To people who are already part of the church and think they know about Christianity and think that they can just take this as if it's like, oh yeah, this is the thing we do once a month. This is not the thing we just do. It's a reminder of a sacred meal that points us to the cross. Where Jesus came and said, this is the strength you will need to remind the world that I took you in your brokenness and because of me you will never be the same. Never. The writer of 1 Corinthians was never the same after he met Jesus. His name is Paul. This is what he writes to the church in Corinth as they slow down and stop to reflect on what Jesus has done. You can open your packets now just at the top. And you'll see it on the screen. It's what Paul says to the church. Then on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As you take this, Jesus is feeding you this. Take it together. same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again let's take it together Before we dismiss you, I'm going to ask the worship team to sing the first song again.
It's the first one that you did. It's a song, it's a song of declaration that we are those that didn't just come to church, we didn't just perform a religious act, but we are people who have been transformed by Jesus ready to go be with other people who still don't know Jesus. And that we want people to see in us that Jesus is at work because his living water is stirring in us. I'm going to invite you to stand. I want to just read this last passage. John chapter 4 verse 42 that all of you will read as you read this this week. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. It's about him that we sing now. Turn change 
Thanks for doing this with us this morning. Hey, some of you know this. Next Sunday is a very special weekend for us as a church. It's our six-year anniversary when the church started. Yeah, clap next week. Next week we'll clap. And uh, we have some exciting news we're going to share next week about some things, some doors that God is opening. Messy, exciting opportunities. Maybe we'll have a treat for you. But more than all of that, one thing we're going to talk about and we will never stop talking about that the Jesus that we love is a person who's made us never the same. Never the same. This church will always be about that. And so would you just pray maybe that God would encourage you to maybe invite someone else. A person who feels alone by the well, who thinks God's forgotten about me. My shame, my mistakes are too bad for church and for faith. I don't believe in that. Just let God just maybe nudge you into a little bit of an awkward or messy situation and invite someone and join us again next week as we celebrate. Most of that too, we're going to see you this afternoon at a park. And while many of you are driving to the park, you're going to listen to John chapter 4 in your car. See? See how easy it's done? We're here to help you. We're here to help you. Let's pray before we go. Jesus, we're here because of you. And we understand now, in a fresh way, that when you transform people, You make us into those who want to share about you with others. So teach us to do that in a sensitive way, in a respectful way, in a loving way, the way you modeled it with this woman at the well. For we are your disciples, and you will teach us to do what you did. May your favor be with us as we stand in a park and say hi to neighbors and friends. May you draw people who maybe have questions about who you are. May you remind us that you are the only one who can nourish us and make us whole. So for that, we thank you for the cross and the resurrection. Be with us now as we go. May you be glorified through us. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless everyone. See you soon.